Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather to worship and to praise you today, we pray, O Lord, that you would open our ears, that we would hear your words. We pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see your presence amongst us. But in opening our eyes and opening our ears, we pray, O Lord, that you would transform our hearts so that we would leave this place not only seeing you, not only hearing your words, but being doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So the legend has it that St. Francis of Assisi composed his poem, The Canticle of the Sun, when he was ill and recovering from illness in St. Domino, Italy. And a part of that illness was he had lost his sight. And so as he composed this poem, he had someone else writing it down for him. And so in the midst of that, he he dictated the words worthy of God's praise, clearly focused in his mind's eye and in his heart on the blessings that God had provided him thus far in his life. He saw unity in all creation. He saw the interconnectedness of all life, human life, animal life, all the world. And he saw that as a call to praise, a call for all of earth to lift praise to God. So he not only understood this, but the necessity of all creation, he thought. This necessity of all creation needed to praise God continuously to be reminded that God created us, God redeemed us, God loves us. Today's text, Psalm 148, was the foundational text upon which St. Francis built this canticle. 
And without a doubt, it is nothing but an ancient praise hymn, if you will. There's really two parts of this. You have the heavenly kingdom is supposed to praise the Lord. And then you have the earthly kingdom is supposed to praise. But in each of those two sections, you see that there is a roster of everyone that is included. Who is to praise? And everyone, why that group should be praising God. So when we think about it in verses 1 through 6, it deals with the heavenly kingdom. It talks about angels and heavenly forces, the sun and moon and stars, even the waters above the sky. That part of creative matter that God is building the universe out of. And that whole part, the heavenly kingdom should praise the Lord because God has created it and set everything in place forever. And then we turn to the earthly kingdom in verses 7 through 14. And so he names all of it. And some texts even uses the word, rather than sea creatures, uses the word sea monsters, which I find just interesting that they translated it sea monsters. But you have sea monsters and ocean depths and fire and hail and wind and snow and mountains and animals, wild and tame. And when I think of my beagle, I think, I know which one you are. You are not the tame animal, but you praise the Lord nonetheless. And then you have birds and then young and old, male and female. And all of creation, all of earthly creation should praise the God in heaven because God has given the whole world and given us dominion over all creation. But most importantly, God gives us strength and gives strength to his people and strength to all creation. And so I think how this psalm plays out in your life and mine these days, it comes to mind, it speaks to us because God is worthy to be praised. We see God's glory in the created order. And we find that when we wholeheartedly praise God, the result is a deeper and wider understanding of God's relationship and love for us. That God is worthy to be praised that we can find God's glory in created order and that when we find that deeper praise in our hearts, when we lift our praises up for the rafters of heaven to hear, that we have a deeper and more intimate understanding of God in our lives. Sometimes I think I see the glory of God most at sunrise or at sunset. So down a year, a couple of years ago, down on Mallory Square, the southwest tip of uh, Key West, as the day draws long and gets to the end of the day, people gather down in the square for what is sort of a sideshow. You have street performers who are living sculptures that move only when someone puts a dollar in their hat, or you have musicians and jugglers and magicians all busking for a buck or two. But as the sun sinks ever so closely to the horizon, people turn their attention from the sideshow and pay attention to the main show. They pay attention to watch that fire, that, that fire, that ball of fire sink into the water. And some have even claimed that they have seen the green flash that comes just as the sun dips below the horizon. But as that happens, everyone there that watches the sun drop into the ocean begins to cheer and to clap as if they are watching the most Beautiful show they have ever seen and reminded once again that God is in charge of creation. 
I think of a few years ago when I was skiing out west. I'm an early riser by nature, but because that was on mountain time, two hours ahead of my time or behind my time, I was up really early. So I got to watch the sun rise, and there's this phenomenon called alpenglow, where all of a sudden, as the sun rises above the mountains, it begins to light up the forest and the snow in this amber, pinkish light. As I watched that light build down into the valleys, I began to realize the contrast between light and dark. There was this idea of a promise of a new day, the promise that God was painting something new for us to see, some new experience to have, and that God was in charge. And that if I would just sit back, that whatever would unfold in the day would be something glorious and as magnificent as the sunrise. But you have your own images too, don't you? Whether it's a sunrise or a sunset, or maybe a beautiful desert landscape or a broad mountain vista, or watching your children grow and play, your grandchildren toddle through the yard, you begin to see the miracle that God provides. And in that moment in time, you see God's glory and you cannot help but realize that you have been given a gift, right? A gift that you want to praise God for and give thanks so that all the heavens can hear your voice. Because God has given you a picture that you will cherish in your heart and in your mind's eye for days, weeks, and years to come. You see, we see God's glory in those moments. But we also see God's glory in the moments of created order. So I'll confess to you that on the Myers-Briggs typology test, I am an ESTJ. What that really means is that I have a really big type A personality. I like order and structure and form. I believe that there is a place for everything and that everything should be in its place. And so I like everything that is methodical and orderly and structured. So when I look at the creation story, I realize that God had an order that was also methodical. And there's a structure to creation. I mean, it makes sense when you really break it down. You have light and dark, and then you have the sky and the earth, land and sea. And only once those have been created can you create the plants, and then the sun and the moon, and the birds of the air and the creatures of the sea. And only after that can we then get to animals and humanity, where we begin to realize how connected that we are, how all of creation is woven together in this wonderful fabric that God has given us. And everything happens according to the design. That there is this order to creation. But as we dig a little bit deeper, we find that there is an order to our faith and our understanding of God's love for us too. There's sort of a crawl, walk, and run method to it. And you see, it's in that order when we start with crawling and then walking and running that we begin to have a deeper connection, a deeper relationship with the God that loves us. So on this day, this Confirmation Sunday, we begin to see those stages of faith development lived out in front of us. Think about it, when we baptize infants, the parents stand down front. We ask the parents, what do they believe in? And then we ask them that most important question, Will you raise this child up in the church? Teach them the ways of the faith so that they too may one day come and own that faith. And then we ask ourselves, will you, the congregation, support this family raising this child up so that they can 
crawl through their faith, walk through their faith so that one day they can run with it. And so we see that in that crawl phase when they are, uh, those infants being baptized, they spend time in Christian ed. They spend time in our faith formation group. When they are in our nursery program, they're not in babysitting. No, it's in that nursery program. They begin to find the fundamentals of faith, that God loves them, that the church is a wonderful and safe place where they can grow and be a part of it. In Sunday school and in children's worship and here in worship, they begin to understand the very basic elements of praising God in the sanctuary. In Sunday school, they learn the stories of the Bible and in choir, they learn how to sing their faith. And then in VBS, and then we give them their own Bible. This book here that no longer is just something to sit on a shelf, but the guide for their lives, that they're to take it off the shelf and read it themselves. And you ought to watch on those Sundays when they get that as third graders, they sit in church and they are flipping through it, trying to understand and decode it. What does it mean for them? And so those Sundays are ones where we tell their parents, let them catch you reading your Bible, how you run with your faith so they will learn. But soon as they outgrow the elementary parts of our faith formation program, they move into youth ministry and now they're walking with their faith. They're worshiping God, maybe even serving in the Simplify Band. They take our confirmation class this year. These young people, these 21 of them, have been involved learning about the creeds of the church and worship and the richness and the depth of the sacraments and even the stories of the Bible and how they deepen our faith. They've got a pretty good stride, and so as they're going along, they're walking briskly now. One of those sports that I've always found intriguing in the Olympics is what we call Olympic walking. Now, if you've ever watched Olympic walking, that's really more like a slow man's jog. I mean, these people are moving. But there's apparently some imperceptible line to me where there's that fine line between walking and running. And they are right there at that line. Well, that's exactly what's happening this morning with our confirmands. They are walking that briskly, and in just a few minutes, they are going to start running. They're going to start running with their faith and they're going to say, this is the faith I believe. This is what's so important to me. And at that moment in time, they are running. And their faith is their own. Just as you and I are running with ours. And so it's in that creative moment, in that time when we see the order of creation, that crawl, walking and running with our faith is all part of God's plan for us. It's all part of God's hopes and desires for our lives. And it's in those moments that we begin to realize that as we lift our praises to the rafters, that we begin to have that deeper relationship with God. I ran relays in high school, and when running the relay, one of the things that they do when you're running is you're on this team, and they have this baton and they pass a baton to you, and when they pass a baton, when you take it, it's your race to run. You have to run your section of the race as fast as you can, as hard as you can, because it's your race to run. Well, confirmation, that's very much the same thing. We give our confirmands a baton just like this to remind them that now it is your race to run. Your parents have brought you forth from baptism to the church and have raised you up. The church has embraced you with their commitment. And now, confirmands, it's your race to run. But here's the catch. 
So often in life we look at confirmation and think of it as the end, but really it's just the beginning, isn't it? Because now that that baton is placed in our hands as faithful followers, it's up to run the race for ourselves. We're deepening our own faith. We're growing closer to God and we're lifting it up. And it's a race that if you ask everyone in this room, you never finish that race. We are constantly running that race for that deeper, more intimate relationship with God. So as they come forward and they take the vows to support the church with their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness, they're doing that not because that's what it's expected of them, but they're doing it because that's how we grow deeper in our faith. That's how we learn and how we show the world the God that we praise, the God that loves us. I mean, when we get on our knees and we pray for our church, we pray for our leaders, we pray for folks that sit in the pew with us, we pray for God's direction. We are asking God to speak to us. And it's in the listening that we understand more and more what God wants for us. We gather together and we say that we're going to support the church by our presence. Let's be clear. Look around the room. It's so much more fun when the sanctuary is full. When we're gathered together, we see each other's faces and we sing praises together. There is an energy in this place that's palpable. We recognize that God is present with us. But you see, what also happens in community when we're together is we can carry each other when we are down. We can rejoice with each other when we have those milestones in life. We learn from each other. And when we're together, our worship becomes not just our personal acts, but corporate acts that ring from the rafters and from the walls and that all the world cannot help but hear that we are praising our God in heaven. We support the church with our gifts. We're talking about money, but it's not in that sort of bad way that the church gets a reputation for talking about money. We're talking about money for what it could do, but it really is an act of response. It's a response of gratitude for what God has given us. Think of everything in your life. Everything that you have gotten this week, all the gifts that have been given to you, they come from God. And so when we give our gifts, when we support our church, we are writing a thank you note to God. We are saying, God in heaven, I praise you for what you have given me and I say thank you. And then our service. So many of us have different talents. Wilson giving his gift today, singing his heart out, singing the praises of God. When we give that, when we give those gifts, when we serve, when we offer those opportunities, the talents that God has given to us, we're reminded that what we're doing is sharing God's love, but we are loving our neighbor and ourselves. We're loving our world. And then finally, our witness. And there's one thing that you and I know is that the world needs to be witnessed to the love and the grace of God. So when we're conscious of what we say, when we're conscious of how we act, how we treat each other, and how we engage the world, we are setting the standard for the world to follow. And we're showing the world God's love. But what's more important, as we do those things, as we offer our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, we find that we are growing closer to God that we understand God's love for us and for the world that much more every day. It gets that much deeper. It gets that much closer. We begin to realize that we are 
hopelessly entangled and hopelessly wrapped up in God's love and God's hope for the world around us and that we are instruments of God's peace. Just as what St. Francis understood as he composed that poem. So as we hear again from the text of Psalm 48, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise God, all ye messengers, young men and young women, old and young, let all of these praise God's name. Let them praise God's name so that all the earth may hear of the glory of our God in heaven. Because it's in our praise that we begin to understand the depth of God's love for you, for me, and all the world. So this day, as these young people come forward, as they stand in front of you, and as they say to you, this is my faith, I claim Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, let us rejoice with them, let us sing praises that God has moved in their lives, that we have fulfilled our commitment to them and their parents to bring them to the race thus far. But let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary, but let us realize that our race continues outside the doors of this church and let us run for singing God's praises for what God has done for us yesterday, today, and in the days to come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.